Welcome to Coastline Church, seeking renewed faith in Humboldt County by being settled and secure in God's love. To learn more, visit coastlinefoursquare.com. This is very well rehearsed. We're all professional here. Actually, I did not know I was speaking today, but I walked in and Angie handed me a card and it said, speaker, Steve Darnell. So, <laughs> but it's good. All that worship about how big he is, how he's got everything, how because he lives, we face tomorrow because he's always with us. This is all in that tone. In my class, one of my classes is the Old Testament class, and it's actually been powerful because the students are learning that when God says he takes care of everything, it doesn't just mean like when other people do bad things for us, he deals with even messes we can create. And uh, the, what we're doing is we're in Genesis, and we've been talking about Rebecca and Isaac. Yeah, powerful story with Rebecca and Isaac. Kind of messed up parents. Okay, Isaac had a favorite, Esau. Rebecca had a favorite, Jacob. And that's not the healthiest way to start. Jacob ends up dealing with a schemer named Laban, his uncle. Ends up marrying his cousin. Ends up marrying not the cousin he first chose, because he's in love with Rachel. He ends up marrying Leah first. Then he marries, eventually he gets to marry Rachel too. But it's kind of messed up. Because Leah's stuck married to a guy that doesn't love him. Even after she gives birth to her sixth son, she says, now my, now my husband will love and honor me because I've given him six sons. So it just shows you even that late in life, she's still dealing with that. I mean, even the way she ended up pregnant was weird because basically she bought his favor for the night with mandrakes from Reuben. What am I doing wrong? You're not on. I'm not on. It says I'm on. <laughs> So now I have to start up a oh, wow. <laughs> not starting all over. <clears throat> but basically, so you have the mess up there. Jacob loves Rachel. So Rachel's identity ends up messed up because she can't have kids. I mean, basically, she even tells him at one time, after, after Leah has the birth of the first four oldest sons, she basically tells Jacob, if I don't have children, I'm going to die. It's so important to her. So, so he has her sleep with her maidservant. So they get two sons that way. <clears throat> and then Leah does the same with her maidservant. And then Leah gets pregnant again. As I said, she ends up having more sons. And then Rachel finally gets to have a son named Joseph. And Joseph is the 11th son. But he's treated like he's the first in favor. Because since it's the son of Rachel, Jacob crazy favors this guy. She actually has birth to one more son, Benjamin. And uh, Benjamin, she actually dies in the childbirth. And she knows that she's dying. And she wants to call him Ben-Omi, which means child of sorrow. And instead, Jacob at least has this awareness that he doesn't want a son going through life having his name remind him that his mother died for his birth. So he changes his name to, to Benjamin which means child of my right hand. But the point is, bad parenting. Favors just crazy, crazy 
favors Joseph, makes him a multicolored coat, a fancy garment. Then Joseph has these dreams. <clears throat> In the dreams, he sees all his brothers bowing before him. Actually, it's sheaves of grain, but they all know what the dreams represent. Even as a dream where the sun and moon bow before him. So even now, now even Jacob's getting upset. Like, wait, you're saying even we're going to, like even your parents, even I am going to bow to you? Not very wise guy in some ways. You'd think, well, Joseph, you caused your own heartache by doing, acting this way. Anyway, jump way ahead in the story. <clears throat> He's sent out to find his brothers. They see him coming along. And Judah gets this whole idea. Actually, they all have this idea of, well, here comes that dreamer. You know, the favorite son, the sibling rivalry is a mess. So let's take him and kill him. And Reuben, even though Reuben's been shunned, and Reuben actually did something bad where he actually loses kind of the rights of the firstborn. But Reuben tries to protect him. So Reuben says, well, don't kill him. And they throw him in a pit, and Reuben's plan is to go rescue him later. <clears throat> but what happens is while Reuben's gone, a caravan comes through. And Judah gets this idea of, hey, yeah, this won't profit us to kill him. Let's just sell him. So they sell him to slavery. Already familiar with the story, right? Yeah, okay, so yeah. I want to go I through it. Okay, okay, there is a movie on it, I'm sure. <laughs> but it's all messed up, you know, and they end up they end up killing an animal and making the clothes all blood drenched, so they take it to their dad to say Joseph got killed by wild animals. Think of the heart of kids of sons so angry at their father over favoritism, they're willing to break his heart. They're willing to have him think his favorite son died. I mean, this is this is pretty messed up stuff. Ends up with Potiphar, Joseph does, you know, Potiphar's house. And he does what Joseph obviously ends up pretty good at, administrative stuff. God shows a favor to him. So even as a servant, Potiphar's impressed with him. But Potiphar's wife, Joseph must have been pretty hot looking because Potiphar's wife's pretty much enamored with him. And then this gets messed up because she's doing everything to get him to sleep with her. And then she's so mad that he refuses to. I mean, he even says... Your husband is, has, has limited me to nothing except you. How could I do such a disgraceful thing? So his reward for staying pure is she lies. Accuses him of rape, gets thrown in prison. We don't know exactly how long he was in prison. We know he's about 17 when he got sold into slavery. He's like 30 when he actually gets out of prison. So there was 13 long years there. We don't exactly know how long Olive was in prison, but we do know this much. After he'd been there a while, God still showed favor on him. He still served. The jailer really got benefit from him. And he meets this cupbearer, and he meets the guy who holds the, the wine and uh, the cupbearer, and then also the baker. And it's a little misleading. It could sound arbitrary to like, oh, what, Pharaoh just got mad and threw these guys in jail? But you have to understand, if you were trying, one of the ways you got rid of rulers in those days is you tried to poison them. If you're going to poison them, you have to have the baker in on it if you're going to do it through food. Because he has to find a way to bake the food and get the poison in the right parts so the person who tests the food doesn't die, but the Pharaoh way. Same with the cupbearer. I know this is a little speculation, but it, it's just the culture of the time. If you're going to poison the king, the cupbearer has to be in on it, otherwise he'll drink the poison and die. And so, out of suspicion, they're in prison and they have these dreams, and Joseph interprets the dreams. And he basically correctly interprets that baker... Your head's coming off. Cupbearer, you're going to be restored to where you were. 
And the only thing he tasks of the cupbearer, he just asks one thing. By the way, when you get out, don't forget me. That's the thing. He just asks and he says, don't forget me. And then the very next line says, and the cupbearer did what? Forgot he forgot him. So now he's stuck in a prison two more years. You know, and we can read that in one sentence, but think of what you did two years ago. Think of everything that's happened the last two years. And now imagine you're stuck in a prison wrongly for those two more years. And yet he serves a God that we just sing about that controls all things. Serves a God that controls things. Serves a God that knows the stars by name. Never lost one of them. Never misplaces anything. Runs the universe. But it's still all messed up. Until Pharaoh has a dream. <clears throat> then Pharaoh has this dream, doesn't understand it. And this is where the cupbearer, almost as if God had planned this whole thing out, comes to his senses and goes, wait a minute, oh Pharaoh, there was a guy who explained my dream in the baker's dream. Call this guy out of prison. Joseph gives the interpretation, tells the king, not only does he interpret the dream, but he gives the king wise counsel on what he should do, because it's all about there's going to be seven years of abundance, seven years of famine. And basically says, this is coming, king, and because it's repeated twice, there's no change. This is going to happen, and you need to put someone in charge that knows how to manage this whole thing. And who does Pharaoh pick to put in charge? Yeah, so now he ends up running everything. Part of me I always wonder, sometimes I wonder is, imagine if you're Potiphar's wife and you find out the guy that you set up falsely accused of rape is now running the whole kingdom. I mean, that, that's got to be a little unnerving to me, but... <laughs> Those are just things that run through my head sometimes. <clears throat> I'm telling this story because God uses Joseph to do something amazing. He not only saves the lives of Israel, his own family eventually, he <laughs> saves the lives of countless others. The estimate, people give me different estimates. One estimate is that Egypt and the whole region that probably gets saved through the famine maybe in the line of 2 million people. If not, if we're wrong, it's only 500,000. That's still a huge amount. In all the steps that happen, we see this faithfulness in Joseph. Now, he's not perfect, and I don't have time to go to the whole story. Joseph does have his own bitterness. Because um, what goes on in the story is, eventually, because of the famine, Jacob has to send his sons to get Thank you for joining us today at Coastline Church. To find out more information, please visit coastlinefoursquare.com.